0: Hello, this is Adam S Leslie, co-host of this very podcast. A quick plug before we start, my folk horror novel, Lost in the Garden, is now out and available in all good bookshops, including Blackwells and Waterstones. And now back to your regularly scheduled RetroTube. Hada day, hada day, hada day, day. Woo! Welcome to RetroTube, the podcast in which my friend Heather and I send each other old TV shows along the ley lines, then stand around in a big circle chanting and looking queasy. Or failing that just talking about what we've watched. This week, happy day! Strap on your Gareth Thomas curly wig for Children of the Stones. was an HTV production broadcast on ITV at the beginning of 1977. A classic example of the 70s obsession with folk horror and the paranormal, it's often cited as one of the scariest ever children's dramas. Heather, did you have any previous knowledge of Children of the Stones?
1: I most certainly did not. Uh, When you said we were going to watch something about Children of the Stones, I thought, what kind of children would Stones have? And I thought Pebbles, and then when I thought Pebbles, I thought Bam Bam, and then I thought maybe it was some kind of a Flintstones parody, but it turns out it wasn't that at all. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed.
0: Oh, dear. (laughs) But did you enjoy it? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's difficult to tell, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) We watched the first two episodes.
1: We did, we did. Um, I had to watch the first two episodes quite a few times. (laughs) <laughs> um, <clears throat> I thought it would it'd be fine uh, because I- I've seen confusing things before. You know, I've I've watched The Prisoner, I've I've watched Stranger. You're things, a big fan of The Prisoner. Huge fan of The Prisoner. Um, and there are quite a lot of parallels I think between The Prisoner and and this. Um, I found it really confusing. To be honest, I don't I don't know how children were meant to keep up with this because I. I- sure as hell couldn't um I didn't I didn't dislike it I was just baffled <laughs> <I think. laughs>
0: it's quite baffling yeah but I think it comes from an era when children's TV sort of the opposite of today I think children's TV is quite closely monitored and focus grouped for better or for worse there's a lot of a lot of good shows come out of you know being very diligent about what they show to children but back in those days I think it was more of a case of, us children's TV, it's not very important, just let them get on with it. So there was a lot Mm. of really strange, inscrutable stuff coming out around that sort of time. So I have to admit that I was two when this came out and only just two as well. So I didn't see it at the time. This is one that's newer on me, but I think it kind of, uh, it captures that 70s style of television quite well.
1: Yes. It is very of the time.
0: Well, my first thought on it was that it's... I don't want to harp on about this, but I'm going to. I'm going to tediously harp on about this every episode. This is seven years before the tripods, and it looks so much better.
1: It does, actually, yeah. Yeah.
0: The 16mm film is gorgeous. The interior video looks nice. It does. There isn't that big a... There isn't that big a gap between the interiors and exteriors that you often, and Monty Python made a joke of it, but often it's really glaring, the the, gri- the grainy, grimy exterior filming and the bright, oversaturated interior filming. But actually, this one works quite well. And it took me a couple of viewings to realise that some of it was set in the studio. And I think it just has really good sets.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's possibly.
0: case. Mm. The pub is very convincing, and the cottage interior is very convincing. And you do kind of think it's just all filmed in Avebury, yeah. In that sort of area where it's where it's shot,
1: it's a much um, much more sleek kind of a production than the uh, than the tripods was, which is amazing considering the budget probably was not even remotely the same.
0: No, I think it's a lot cheaper. There are fewer giant robots in it.
1: Yeah, that's true. At least so far. <laughs> yes. I think they're probably going to be giant robots. I'd
0: imagine at the end. explosions, car chases, all sorts be of things. To do with Gun battles.
1: All of those things. All yeah, just saved for the last episode.
0: Quicksand.
1: Yeah, especially quicksand.
0: Mm. Yes, tell me what you tell me what you thought.
1: Well, um the first note I have is it's got the same intro as Father Ted. <laughs> you know the <laughs> with the helicopter Flying overhead. Of course. Just no priests.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No divine comedy soundtrack. Uh,
1: that, no. Not not this time. Just a lot of uh a lot of creepy, heavy breathing and and moaning and wailing and mm. you know, that got my nerves on edge. Uh
0: I like the foreshadowing in the the opening dialogue. Oh. Where he uh they talk about Phantasmagorical, a series of illusions or phantoms. Yes. And also Matt and also Matthew says, suppose they all turn out to be nutters as a joke. But, oh, is he, is he ever right about Crikey. that?
1: everybody does seem very odd. After two episodes, everybody seems odd. Yeah. Yes, Matthew's bowl cut was...
0: Astounding.
1: ...was phantasmagorical as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, spelt with an F. Phantasmagorical, even more fantastic than fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The, the the real meaning.
0: But I thought that car journey was just, it It was the distillation of the 70s because you had, like, the the kid with the bad bowl cut and a bad attitude chewing on a Mars bar. Yes. Uh, and the, the Tweedy know-all dad.
1: Very Tweedy.
0: Yes, who will just correct everything you say because he knows everything about everything.
1: I wrote down, Amazing Sideburns, Budget Terry Jones.
0: Well, they're both Welsh. This is Gareth Thomas.
1: Well, then. Maybe it's a Welsh thing. Maybe, maybe maybe all Welsh men at the time looked like that.
0: I'm not going to tell you too much about Gareth Thomas.
1: Please don't. Other than
0: the fact that in this he's playing a character called Adam Brake. Yes. I'll repeat that. He's playing Brake. But we'll come, more, we'll come to that more later. Okay. Uh, in a different episode. So then we have an old lady practising Tai Chi in the middle of the road.
1: Yeah, she just kind of stands very there. Very happy
0: about Random it. Random
1: stone woman in the road.
0: Mm.
1: Terrified Terry Jones and son. Turns out she's the housekeeper.
0: She's the housekeeper. So they're getting off to a good start. They're inexplicably rude to Mrs Crabtree. Yes. They blank her. They roll their eyes. All she's trying to do is give them tea and cake and they're being really off with her. Yeah. break talks down
1: to her. He almost kills her.
0: I I don't know if this is a comment on the uh, attitudes of city slickers coming into the country and just being... Uh, rude towards the locals and assuming they're all simpletons.
1: Yes, and read the chocolate cake, um, and mm. Adam being all, "Hey, it's not like you to refuse chocolate cake." This was this is because I think um, Matthew had been distracted by the weird girl at the window.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: and uh, so it was a no. It was a note to the chocolate cake but a yes to the weird girl at the window. So this is also possibly some kind of a coming-of-age drama. I don't know.
0: Or he might just be sweeted out from the massive Mars bar he's just eaten. She's quite a drama queen.
1: A little bit.
0: She's the world's harshest art critic.
1: She is. All, all they did was, was show her a little painting. She faints really badly.
0: And she, she faints, yeah.
1: Very carefully and slowly. But I love
0: the fact, and then Hendrik comes around, so they're all there. And I love the fact that despite having maybe two minutes three minutes previously she's fainted and collapsed to the floor she's still sent off to make the tea no one there thinks of oh no I, you sit there i'll go and make the tea us men one of us men will make the tea no no mrs crabtree you're fine now you make the tea you're conscious, and have on aren't you? yourself because you look unwell and are feeling faint
1: <laughs> it is very very much mrs doyle uh the 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 father ted references are coming thick and fast yes it's there. very
0: father Ted. <laughs> it,
1: it really is <laughs> with a little bit more ambition it could have been
0: have we not a pot mrs crabtree oh yes sir well then if you've quite recovered a tea for three please mrs crabtree huh? and i'd rather think you could do with a cup yourself yes sir
1: uh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the, the, the landlord is also a bit weird he didn't like the painting either and then started interrogating Matthew about it. Er, uh, where did you get this? Uh, from a junk shop. And what is your name? Oh, crikey.
0: Where did you get this? My son found it in a junk shop. Your name, young man?
1: Matthew. Matthew Brakes, sir. What made you buy it? I just knew I wanted it. It was about a year ago, before I knew I was coming here. Now I think it looks like the country around this village. There's the hill, And that would be the start of the avenue. Yes, there is a resemblance. Well, he was uh he was not he was not happy, was he, about that?
0: No. It's it's definitely one of those things where people turn up and there's lots of side-eye going on and uh weighted questions and weighted silences. Yes. And people giving each other funny looks.
1: All of the funny looks. Speaking of funny looks, there's a creepy-looking man with a telescope.
0: Oh, yes. This is Father Jack.
1: Yes, it is because he he follows two young men, mm. uh all around the village while they're just while they're just happily riding bikes, not you know, not doing anything wrong, but they're, they're followed by a, a man with a telescope. It's what kind what kind of a kids show is this, Adam? What are you making me watch? I'm sorry. It's am
0: <laughs> But it's Freddie Jones. Everything improves when Freddie Jones arrives. Suddenly, the acting stakes have have gone up. I think there is no more 1970s image than the Scouse boy with the bowl cut astride his bike in his incredible flared trousers. Yes. That is the most 70s thing you'll ever see. And just for you, it's another...
1: It's another scouse. The only
0: Scouse in the village.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. So so really, he his dialogue's the only stuff I really understood.
0: <laughs> We're two for two on Scousers.
1: Yes. Um, I don't understand how the little Scouse boy knew that there was a convenient bike in the shed though, of a house that he didn't live in.
0: Ah, because Cause it's a village. You've never lived in a village. I mean, even if they weren't all possessed, <laughs> even if everyone didn't... who lives in a small village knows where everything is. So, oh, yeah, there's a bike in there, and there's a spade, a trowel, two tins of white emulsion paint. <laughs> uh, and a bottle and... of tips. Everyone knows everything. <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, I don't think I'd like everybody to know the contents of my shed.
0: A note I made about the painting. Everyone treats it as if it's good.
1: It's terrible.
0: It's quite a bad, it looks very A-level art. And it is, um, yeah, they treat, t- talk about it as if it's like, it's clearly ancient. It's a really old ancient painting and it's it's very 70s it's very
1: 70s the uh, paint isn't even dry probably to be fair n- not the weirdest thing about the show i don't even know what the weirdest thing is about the show no it's just all of it <laughs> yes it
0: it doesn't really have it doesn't really have, have any non weirdness
1: yeah that is true
0: it's sort of suffused in the weird mm uh, including, well, a couple of things I noted here. Uh, we suddenly get a public information film partway through the episode as the Scouse boy is riding headlong towards an articulated lorry.
1: Yes, uncertainty. <laughs> Come on, get moving!
0: In certain doom it just suddenly the filming style becomes a pif
1: yes i noticed that
0: but we expect the voiceover to come and intone doom laden pronouncements on how foolish this boy has been foolish
1: boy but that call is deep <laughs> it's showing off the bank is slippery but
0: the other weird thing is uh did you notice that it was bright yellow outside the post office
1: I did notice it was bright yellow outside the post office. I was a bit confused, but I was on, wasn't it just was just me. on top of all of the rest of the confusion that I was feeling from <laughs> the rest of the episode. So I didn't have time to write it down. <laughs> mm. I think, see, I
0: had originally thought that it was that yellow film they put over windows to stop things fading, but I rewound it and it was actually the door that they come in through. Oh. And I can only assume that it's just some yellow gel that the lighting director put there so that the outside didn't flare out. Oh, I see. And he just plumb plain didn't care that it made the exterior just literally bright yellow.
1: And they greeted each other with the phrase, happy day.
0: Happy day. I, what I like about this is that happiness and the concept of being happy is turned into this sort of malevolent force.
1: The phrase is kind of reminiscent of be seeing you. That was another prisoner sort of... Thing that I got from it so it's obviously a thing that's said by whoever the baddies are but we don't know that the baddies and we don't know what's bad
0: I'm sure there has to be an influence I, I expect the writers of children of the stone were well versed in the prisoner because it was a big thing wasn't it like I'm sure it's something that most people saw I
1: I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it because the, there are a lot of uh, you know and especially the whole oh you're here now you will never leave.
0: Yes, a village you'll never leave.
1: Adam's like, yeah, sure, we're only going to be here for three months, and they're all like, "lol," as if.
0: (laughs) Uh, What I enjoyed (laughs) was, uh, I enjoyed the fact that Adam wasn't the slightest bit embarrassed by his, uh, the introduction that Hendrik gives him to Margaret. I don't know if you remember that.
1: I do remember that he wants you to take him under under your wing. Why? Why my wing? Well, maybe he likes your feathers.
0: Margaret, this is Adam. Adam Brake. Poor fellow doesn't know anyone in the village and wants to be taken under your wing.
1: Why mine?
0: I think he likes the look of the feathers. (laughs) Maybe.
1: Whoa. Uh, But to be fair, he did. Because, wow, the UST was real between those two. Crikey. Get a room, guys. Yeah.
0: I like the... It's industrial strength flirting going on there.
1: So much flirting, even I blushed, and I say even I blushed. I I blush at everything, but yeah, I, Well, I you're I still busy snaring. Yes, between snaring, I blush. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would if somebody had given me that introduction, I'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry about that. I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, oh no, like that's really embarrassing. Hi,
1: but but
0: <laughs> but he is just." Maybe.
1: But no, no, he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I like the look of him. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah. You and me, girl. Normally, I just have to kind of, like, avoid eye contact with somebody for six months before I can even say hello to them. Now we're talking about feathers. (laughs) In the next scene with them together, they keep on on talking about ley (laughs) lines. And I've written... Adam would really like to lay Margaret's lines. <laughs> and uh then <laughs> he says he says to her, um, you must miss your husband, and she goes, No. <laughs> like, really, guys, calm down. <laughs> it just it, it doesn't it doesn't stop. Like every time they're even in this in the same room, it's just like hey, we're just going to talk in fluent innuendo.
0: They really do. Wait
1: until the camera stops rolling. <laughs> they are so up for it. It's ridiculous. Guys, <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> there was a very odd scene at the school. Just clever 10-year-olds doing quantum physics like it's no big deal at 9 o'clock in the morning um, in the same classroom as a farmer's kid who thinks that 1 plus 1 makes 3. Uh, and to be fair, he's not he's not wrong.
0: They, they all, everyone thought that was really funny and the teacher's like, why are you laughing? Uh, c- he made a joke. That was quite a good joke.
1: Have you any idea what one and one His dad's a farmer miss. Explain yourself. Well, on a farm, but one and one together, you usually get a third. You find that funny? It was quite a good mm. joke. Terrible accent, awful <laughs> acting, but good, good joke. Good joke,
0: yeah. It's a very unsettling scene. It's just unsettling scene after unsettling scene, but I think... I think that's a particularly disquieting one, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and the random child in the yellow shirt who attacked Matt for no reason and then Matt, who up until this point has been quite a placid child, Mm. just threatened to break the kid's leg. (laughs) Kevin! (laughs) So, new boy, what are you going to do about that, then? Break your
0: leg. Well, one of my notes is that Matthew is very aggressive. He just has, has these sudden bursts of anger. There's a bit in episode two as well where he swerves to avoid Di and crashes his bike, and he gives Di the most shocking mouthful. You!
1: You nutter! Look at my bike, you stupid old fool! Look at my jacket! Go on, swear of it. Call me worse. Oh, no, the village idiot. Just my luck. What do you mean? Get out of my way before I whack what's left of this bike round your straggy neck. I know. And Dad doesn't even mind. No, he's, he's like, yes. Like, oh, oh, well, at least...
0: Swear I'm at me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> More. Yeah, Dad is a proper weirdo. Mm. He's got a right king. <laughs> Very strange.
0: <laughs> but I think Matthew sums up aggressive 70s children.
1: The se- whenever you see
0: ch- children from the 70s on yeah. TV, they're always so aggressive. They're just really angry. Always ready to give you like mouthful of abuse.
1: They're, they are scowling constantly. Maybe it's maybe it's because of the, the itchy jumpers and 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 the bad haircuts. And...
0: Despite what grumpy middle-aged people like to say, children now are so polite and just generally well-behaved. Seventies kids, a bunch of little tearaways.
1: Yeah, may, maybe the maybe the middle-aged people nowadays were just. Grumpy and impolite children in the seventies, and they're just judging everybody by their own standards.
0: I think so. I think it's it, it's the exact same people who are riding around on their choppers and their flared trousers, going
1: "Get out of the way! Shut it!"
0: Uh, to the to adults.
1: Wow! You come near me again, I'll break your leg. I've, I've never heard you shout before. <laughs>
0: Golly! Uh, and they've
1: Adam, stop! Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is it, I. Sh- Should
1: have got it. I'm going to need therapy after this. (laughs) (laughs) And then, randomly, the kid in the yellow shirt, who is by far the most odious of all of the children, Mm. um, just belts my little scouse mate for no Mm. reason. And Bob's just like, didn't make you happy, did it? And the, the boy's like, no, actually, he didn't. I've been dropped. I'm not in the team. <laughs> what did you expect? I scored twice. this is isn't it? Top scorer and you get dropped. You argued with decisions. That's no way to be happy. Happy? That striker deliberately fouled me and the ref took no notice. Well, perhaps he was sighted. Perhaps he was stone blind. You certainly told him so. Did it make you feel better? I'll tell you what would make me feel better. Go on, then. Thump me. <gasps> See? solve anything, did
0: it? And that's exactly how Scousers always react if you punch them.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, there you go, I uh, didn't make you happy.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how Scousers, exactly how we do. Um, I would, however, not recommend anybody try it. No, uh.
0: do not try this at home or in Liverpool. A note I made, the barber surgeon doesn't look very crushed. For someone who's had a 10-ton rock land on him, that skeleton's quite intact.
1: Yeah, um, I I thought exactly the same thing. But then that was kind of all sort of set aside for some more flirting. Uh, and I wrote down all of the dialogue. Um, Adam, will you do something for me? Of course. Touch one of the stones.
0: <laughs> yes. What?
1: I... I want to see if you're the kind of man I think you are. I swear to God, the thirst between these two people <laughs> is so real.
0: And what kind of man I, would that be? I'm
1: genuinely dying of second-hand embarrassment. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think we ever find out what man she means. I mean, she, I, don't, she, I don't think I would ever have the guts to ask any man to touch my stones. <laughs>
0: I, I, I mopped I mopped some sweat off my brow.
1: I get it. it's been a long time for both of you. <laughs> we we know we know you've both been single for a long long time. It's.
0: I think Margaret has the same hairstyle that she did when she was a teenager in 1962.
1: Yeah, it's a very 60s hairstyle. Very much. She's got great hair. It's though. very
0: early 60s. She's she's not changed her hair, so she has lovely hair. She but has. she's not changed her hairstyle in 15 years.
1: No, no. In fact, she probably used so much hairspray on it the first time that it's it's not even it's not even <laughs> needed to br- be brushed. <laughs> it's it's literally the same hairstyle from 1962.
0: <laughs> so then they go outside to the stone, and Adam break. That's break. He touches the stone.
1: I, I, again, I wrote down the dialogue. You just want me to touch it? Yes, please. Get a room. <laughs> Get a room.
0: And then it freeze frames on his face when he touches it. And uh, I hate it when you have a sneeze that never comes.
1: There's there's some proper 70s special effects going on there. And the world's most dramatic faint. Even more dramatic than Mrs Crabtree's earlier.
0: It's a fling. Uh,
1: he, He flung himself.
0: And Margaret doesn't seem too concerned. She just kind of looks at him.
1: She does kind of just look at him. She probably just still wants him to touch it. You, you've you've not done that yet, pal. Waiting, P and L. <laughs> Got to go home soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then end credits. And um, I was so confused.
0: Good. I think this is intentional.
1: I mean, if it's not intentional, then uh, I feel really thick.
0: <laughs> no, I think. Uh... There's lots of questions, but not very many answers so far. Mm. But do you think it works as kind of super spooky, eerie television? Yeah, I,
1: I, I, I don't know. As if I, at this point, I'm thinking along the lines of ghosts. I'm thinking more along the lines of aliens. But it's yeah. There's just something. There's there's something not right, and just very malevolent about it. I know I sound like my brow is very furrowed, and it is. And I've now seen that episode about four times, and (laughs) I'm still like, dude, I got nothing.
0: But it's atmospheric.
1: It's very atmospheric, yeah. I think. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think it's atmospheric and definitely...
1: 100%. It is the kind of thing you would love
0: things in that era gradually became tamer as time went on so 1969 we had uh the adaptation of the owl service the alangana novel which uh, was adapted for children and is quite astoundingly racy Ooh. and even more baffling and even more eerie and terrifying so that was eight years before this so and then another 10 years after that 11 years after that we have things like moon dial which is still spooky and eerie but it's just a bit tamer still so things just gradually get a little tamer as time goes by but when you go back as far as things like the owl service then it's that's properly that's the hard that's the class a stuff right which we'll probably I, get to
1: we probably will get to it because i've never even heard of it um Although I don't think I can cope with anything more, oh,
0: I'll give you a bit of a break. Yeah, first, please uh, do. Uh,
1: I don't think I can cope with anything more more racy than you just want me to touch it. Yes, please. I'm too young.
0: <laughs> you are. I'm corrupting your innocent mind.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that before. <laughs> <laughs> So that was episode one. That's
0: episode one, so now we're on to episode two.
1: There's a creepy old man who's been following you for like the whole day, armed with a telescope. He seems to really enjoy you shouting at him mm. and then asks you to wait in a sanctuary for him. I, I'm I'm saying this is stranger danger. He
0: spends most of the episode hanging out unsupervised with Die. It's like,
1: yeah, come in,
0: my dad's not here. Come and hang can I borrow your telescope? us <laughs> your telescope, mate. Oh go on, mate. <laughs>
1: It's all happening.
0: He's a little tearaway.
1: He, he is. And while this is happening, Adam and Margaret are still flirting outrageously. Um, she offers him a glass of water. He says, screw that, I need a scotch. And then she...
0: Mm, he says something weird like, this is no time for bath. This is no time of day to be taking a bath. In that cupboard you'll find a bottle of scotch and a glass. A large glass.
1: And then she pours herself a massive glass that she downs in, like, half a gulp. And he says, why don't you pour yourself a drink? And she goes, no, thanks, I don't like it. (laughs) And then Adam keeps having these... They're not exactly flashbacks. They're kind of flash-forwards to things that haven't happened. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's very, very odd. Is it anything to do with him being flung to the other side of the field by the stone? We don't know.
0: I like that... Margaret and her daughter, early on in the first episode, are flagged up as being the creepy ones. Yes. When really, it's actually the rest of the village. Everybody else. And they're the sane ones. Do mm. so you have the, the creepy little girl peering in through the window? But actually, she's she's one of the normal ones. Yes. Yeah. I do. There's some good dialogue. The dialogue is almost too clever to be delivered convincingly. But there is some good dialogue. Particularly, uh, Di has some good dialogue. The line I wrote down was: "We'll cook this chicken,
1: Mrs. Crabtree. What's wrong with it?"
0: How should I know? I'm no vet. I'm certainly dead. And then he says he's a miner.
1: Yes, he mines and everything. he says,
0: dug holes in the water for fish I have. Dug holes in the earth for bones. Which I think is a good line. Uh, but Matthew, he's weirdly unconcerned by Di's erratic behaviour. So when Di tells him that he'll never leave the village until it wants him to go, until it wants him to leave, and then Di storms out, Matthew just does a little shrug and gets back to what he's doing, so he doesn't care.
1: Every time they're always talking, every time any uh, character speaks about not leaving the village, I just have Hotel California playing in my head. Oh,
0: yeah. It's
1: all very it's all very sinister and oppressive. And, like, that's all going on. But sort of the two main characters, Matt and Adam, don't seem to care about how oppressive it is. And they kind of just think, oh, well, this must just be how village life is. Yes, it's odd. They're both... I, no big deal. I think... Gareth
0: Thomas and Peter Demin is plays Matthew. I think they're both very good but they're both they are both very blasé.
1: Blasé was the word I wrote down. Oh really? Yes.
0: Um but yeah I thought they did a good, and I thought I thought Peter Demin was good considering some of the child actors of the era and again I don't want to keep beating on the tripods but but he blows yeah. the tripod kids out of the water.
1: He really does. You know, he but when he delivers his lines, you don't hear him saying like comma, full stop, new paragraph, question mark. <laughs> no.
0: And he gets some t- quite tricky lines because he's he's quite overwritten.
1: Yeah, and uh, and he the,
0: does it all with conviction.
1: There's there's a lot of uh, like proper scientific stuff that he's got to get his gob round, and uh, he does he does it really well. Mm. Like, you know. Um, he does. Uh, I, was quite, I was quite impressed with, with his standard of acting. What about other major stars? Planets?
0: Well, These are only early figures. I'd like you to check the calculations. But there's no obvious path of alignment.
1: Puzzle, puzzle.
0: Hmm. Exactly. No stone circle was constructed at random.
1: I'm afraid I've come up against another dead end, too. Hmm. What's that? My own invention. I got the telescope from that old natter die. Genius. I thought the stones were
0: leaning, remember? Oh, you made this yourself, did you? It's crude, but serviceable. I thought
1: I was onto something, but I was wrong. The stones are actually upright. Dead upright. 90 degrees. All of them? Counted 23 of them. Gave up half of that. In fact, the sounds of acting all round, apart from the fainting and and things, has been not, not too bad.
0: I think Matthew might be pregnant.
1: Oh, yes. I because agree.
0: The sandwich he's eaten is ham and banana with gherkin and honey. Yeah.
1: I mean that's a bit um that's a bit over the top even for a teenage boy. In a in another episode of Parenting one oh one, he basically says, I'm going on a date. Don't wait up, kid. And uh, sort of swans out. It's it's all about Adam and Margaret. I think th- I think the Stones is a sort of a a, a, a vague side plot.
0: It's just a distraction.
1: Yeah. Um, mm.
0: And I'm going out for a date. I'm sending around the babysitter. It's the local poacher. Yes. Uh,
1: sinister smoke by the stones and loads of villagers moaning and shrieking like Leyland on a Friday night. And then Matt touches the stone and also collapses dramatically. But this is after having been accosted in his pajamas by Di. It's a very weird show, Adam.
0: It doesn't get any clearer by the end of episode two, does it, it?
1: It does. It gets creepier and a little bit more thirsty and just odd. There's a lot more moaning.
0: Luckily, by the end of episode seven, the whole thing is cleared up. It all makes perfect sense. All the threads are tied up. Everything's explained. You come away thinking, "Well, that made I. I absolutely know what was going on now." Do we
1: ever find out why Bob's the only scouser in the village?
0: No, we don't discover that. Oh,
1: you know me. I like I like ice dotting and T's crossing. I like knowing where I am and what's going on, yeah, and who's I, with me. And I just I I didn't know any mm. of those things. Um, I, and
0: whereas I, I like strange wailing.
1: <laughs> I know you do. I wish you'd stop. <laughs> uh, yes, you you don't mind a, an ambiguous ending that is open to uh, well, kind of you know, discussion.
0: I like ambiguity. I I do quite like, maybe not quite such an ambiguous ending. Right. Uh, it does tie up, but it's also, um, it doesn't, it doesn't give it to you on a plate, shall we say.
1: Right. Fair enough. Unlike Margaret to Adam, who definitely did.
0: <laughs> yes. But I, I like the, I like the murkiness and the ambi- ambiguity that you get through, throughout. And it it does sort of, it's it's of a piece with the era and i mentioned the public information films earlier and it does sort of it has a similar sort of vibe and that kind of folk horror yes uh obsession with uh folk horror and the occult um that was going on at the time and uh little country villages being hot you know little focuses of evil and that kind of thing. So it really plays into that kind of hauntological 1970s. It's it's almost like one of the cornerstones of that 1970s vibe.
1: Yeah, it is It is very, very, very 70s. Um, it's the kind of... It's, mm.
0: In a good way, it's, I It's think. the kind
1: of thing you would definitely never see in either the 60s or the 80s. It's just very then. No, absolutely. Mm.
0: It's... It's from uh, back when you could go into a little post office and say, "I'd like to post this to America," and the lady behind the post office counter would go, "America? Oh no, dear, not America, dear. No, dear, couldn't possibly, dear." Um, but yes, I think this is the this is the kind of thing that has inspired League of Gentlemen and
1: quite possibly, yes,
0: ghost stories. The the film Ghost Stories, Ben Ben Wheatley films as well. I'm sure Ben Wheatley is is more than. Uh, acquainted with *Children of the Stones*. Right, so I'll I'll ask you some of the regular questions. Did you have a uh, favourite character and a least favourite character or performance?
1: I think I think my favourite character was was probably Adam. Yay! Um, because he just seemed so uh, so assured of himself the whole time, and um, you know was. Not quite as dismissive of everything as I expected him to be from the whole phantasmagorical (laughs) opening discussion. He ended up being a little bit more sort of broad-minded and open to, you know, he he certainly came across as as, as a more curious scientist than a... Than a oh well uh, science is the only answer to everything that's that's it you're all stupid um, which makes for a very was, frustrating yeah, I, drama I, I, I liked he was a bit of a rounded character and I liked that about him did did you ask me if I had a least favourite yes probably die just creepy yeah. bro stop following kids around with a telescope it's odd <laughs> yeah no could have totally done without that
0: see I think I think in a reverse on your position. I think I like Die the best just because how watchable Freddie Jones always is, and he does. I think when he's on screen, he just elevates things a bit.
1: Yeah, no, I, c- I can understand that because I, I, d- I do like him as as, as an actor, but um, just the character was just a bit, mm. uh, a bit no thank you for me. I think he's he's
0: nice and he's quite baroque because you get on one side the, you get Adam and Margaret and Matthew who are quite. Dry, sciencey type. I mean, actually, Margaret's not that sciencey, but she's another academic. So you get the sort of the academic types over here, and then you get the brainwashed, happy people over here. Uh, so it's sort of two types of people in the village. So, so Die is mm. like almost like a, a rogue sprite who's quite a colourful character and a colourful way of speaking. I like when he just swigs half a bottle of whiskey.
1: <laughs> yeah, for no apparent reason. <laughs> I'm like, oh, mate, well, while I'm here, <laughs> Um He's kind of, I would say. As 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 I keep drawing prisoner parallels, he's kind of an equivalent of the butler mm. in the prisoner um, who is who represents the uh, the sort of midway point between the number two and the you know the wardens of the village and the prisoner and his and his need his need to escape. Uh, um, Angelo Muscat, who played the butler, was 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 supposed to be that sort of um mediator kind of middle ground between the between the two to link the whole the the whole character arcs together i think it's kind of like yeah die plays a similar role in that
0: did you have a favorite bit or aspect
1: i don't so much know as if i had i could single anything out as being a favorite because i just I, I just had such a, a, a feeling of not quite knowing what was happening. Mm. But I think I liked the opening scene with uh, with the conversation in the car. I thought that was quite a nice... Um, I thought it, it set up the, the relationship between Adam and Matthew really well because they, they do... It, they've obviously got a close relationship and they are... It's not like just a grumpy old father and rather angry son it's like they are actually kind of friends really and you know they get on with each other they make each other laugh and I I think that was that's that's really nice because it's not often you get to see a relationship like that when it's a single parent it's the, the there's usually some sort of major conflict and the child's full of resentment for some reason or other and the parent is like you know completely incapable of Getting through to the child, but that that wasn't that wasn't the case with these two, and I thought it was a really nice change um, from from w- what you'd normally see.
0: Yes, that's true. Yeah, i hadn't I hadn't thought of it about that, but that's very true. And I think you'd expect, like, if this was a bit more tropey, you'd expect Matthew to be more, yeah, do more like I hate you, and he'd be really jealous of Margaret. Yeah. And the fact that his dad's getting a crush on the the fact that actually he quite likes Margaret. Yeah. And he's got his own little little pal to hang out with in the form of her daughter. Yeah. And yeah, so it's it, they they have good chemistry the two actors. I think Matthew so. Matthew and um, Peter Demmin and Gareth Thomas clearly even though Gareth Thomas is an experienced actor he he's he respects the younger actor and he's giving him you know, giving him room to act and mm. he's not. Steam see- scene stealing or anything like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, they do, they do work really well together. I like that.
0: So, do you have a um, a least favourite aspect or bit?
1: the The amount the amount of the moaning and the wailing kind of freaked me out a bit. To be fair, um,
0: <laughs> nor the heavy breathing. So
1: I don't I don't like heavy breathing. It's weird.
0: So for me, mm. I think my favourite aspect is the whole period seventiesness of it. Because it's just it it's dripping with seventiesness in a way that in the eighties we would have been really scornful of it and go oh look at their hair look at their trousers they look so ridiculous and awful oh I'm glad we look really great and we'll never look dated or old fashioned <laughs> um, yeah but now it's just such a beautiful time time capsule and it really just captures everything you've got kids on bikes and t-shirts and bad hair and flared trousers and you've got the occult and you've got standing stones and you've got patrician men flirting badly and just the whole 70s thing just rolled up into one beautiful kind of perfect capsule yes and not even in a cheesy way it's just it really captures it nicely and it has has beautiful like the hauntology of it but i think we haven't really mentioned it yet because we haven't this is the first one that's really got that idea of that sort of inexplicable eeriness of childhood and particularly of sort of growing up in the 70s and 80s uh that a lot of things this children of the stones is designed to be scary but there are a lot of things like bagpuss and a lot of the small films animations that have a haunted sense to them even though there's nothing overt ghostly or malevolent about them but there's just a slight hint of darkness and a slightly not even sinister but almost like an eerie poignant sad aspect to these things and although children of the stones is more overt and it's more deliberate but it really can it's really sort of an embodiment of that
1: yeah yeah
0: Saying that, I don't know if there's anything I dislike about it, because it, it because it is what it is. It is
1: very, very evocative of. In fact, it, it would probably be you know, if somebody asked you to de- to describe 1977 specifically, it probably you probably would just show them this because it is it's it's kind of past just about past the cynicism of of, of the mid seventies and the griminess and it's getting and it, it, it's it's coming round full circle again to the kind of slightly lighter, more hopeful aspect of, of to of being towards the end of, of a of a particularly bad decade um in general for Britain. So yeah, it's it is extremely it's a very, very time specific sort of emotion attached to to everything about the you know the pre- the production values the the acting the, the 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 scenery even um just very very of the time i agree with you there
0: this was filmed i think in summer 1976 because it came out in january february 77 so right at the start of the year uh and i I seem to remember that 1976 was the hottest summer of the decade. I think that was the hot one, the same way that the 60s hottest summer was 66. I think the 70s hottest summer, if I remember correctly, was 76. Um, And I seem to remember reading that they all had a lovely time filming out in the villages because it was just blazing sunshine and lovely picturesque scenery. And they got to hang out near uh, what are largely real standing stones. So it is filmed. Not far from Stonehenge, so most of the standing stones are real. And so there's a few, the ones that are shaped like humans are obviously props. It was all filmed there, like all the exteriors, not just the stones, but all the village exteriors were filmed there, so you could just wander around the set uh, a bit like visiting Port Marion. you can just oh, be, be in wonderful. *Children of the Stones* and like, yeah, you you sort of insti- you would st- instinctively know your way around. I'd imagine you could go to the post office and say, "I'd like to send this to America, please." Go, oh, America, dear, no, dear. So, would you ever be tempted to watch the remaining five episodes?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I found the first two really stressful. Part of me wants to know what's going on and what the ending is and why everybody's saying happy day to each other and it's it's mysterious enough to to you know make me think maybe I could watch it but realistically it was so nerve-wracking I don't think I don't think my nerves could stand it (laughs) um but I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be like diametrically opposed to you know the the prospect of seeing the rest of it but i just don't know if i if i could have if you get
0: around to it (laughs) certainly the final two episodes or the last episode are very tense i seem to remember uh so it it doesn't get less nerve-wracking i'm afraid to say well that's been children of the stones i think heather was maybe freaked out so i'll have to go something a bit lighter next time i think
1: Thank you very, very much for listening to Adam and I uh, have a little ramble again. Uh, We've really enjoyed it, even if I might need a Valium after all of this is done. Um, If you would like to get in touch with us, we, as always, would love to hear from you. Um, At Twitter, we are at retro underscore tube. Um, If you think you'd like to say something a little bit longer than 280 characters to us you can always email us uh, our email address is retrotube podcast at gmail.com uh, we as i say always are happy to hear from you we'd love to know what you think of the show and also if you've got any suggestions for any future episode please let us know we'd, we'd love to talk about some of the things that that make you happy too
0: so what are we going to look at next week
1: well, my next pick is going to be the 1973 ITC show starring Sir Roger Moore and Tony Curtis, The Persuaders. Wow, oh, it's a seventies one! It's going to be a riot. You're going to love it. I'm very excited. Brilliant! About
0: oh, well, I'm it. looking forward to it already. But in the meantime, until then, Woo-hoo! cheerio! Cheerio! This is Adam S. Leslie, co host of this very podcast. My folk horror novel, Lost in the Garden, is now out and available in all good bookshops, including Blackwell's and Waterstones. Don't talk to strangers, don't play on the farm, and don't go to Almondby. Heather's on off boyfriend, Stephen, has gone to the mysterious village of Almondby. He went for two weeks, and no one has seen him in six months. The only trace of him which remains is his voice, distantly calling for help, drifting across the fizz of shortwave radio. With a couple of friends in tow, Heather sets off through a warped, distended version of the English countryside, baking in perpetual summer, to track Stephen down, and to find out for herself why everyone says, don't go to Almondby. Author Eric LaRocca called Lost in the Garden, eerily enchanting and profoundly inventive, a dreamy and unsettling masterwork. This is one of the freshest and most spiritually rewarding novels I've read in quite some time. And author Matt Wozolowski described it as like trying to recall a troubling and beautiful dream. It's like peering through a wound in the world, sorrowful and uncanny and utterly stunning. This book is magnificent, like nothing I've ever read before. Thank you, Matt and Eric. Lost in the Garden by Adam S. Leslie, published by Dead Books, priced at 10 99 Look for the pink and white cover.